This is The Thomas Guide, your roadmap for navigating the world. With your guide, John Thomas, political savant, world-class analyst, and culture critic. No need to Google directions. Just buckle up and enjoy the ride. This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Elizabeth Warren puts Facebook on blast over its lack of ad censorship. I'll tell you why she's dead wrong and even worse, dangerous. And Hunter Biden is stepping down from a Chinese equity board? I'll explain why and if it's enough to stop the damage. Joe Biden takes credit for impeachment. Does he deserve it? And Bloomberg says he might run after all. How real is this? And don't forget, tonight is the DNC presidential debate night. I'll give my last thoughts on this before the big show. It's debate night tonight. I'll get into that in a little bit. Welcome back to the Thomas Guide. I'm John Thomas, the political strategist. Uh, Okay, a bunch is going on, but I want to first get into a story that I saw over the weekend. I didn't have an opportunity to get to it on Monday's podcast, uh, but it really grinds my gears because the story is not being portrayed, I think, in the proper light. First, the, the story is Elizabeth Warren called out Facebook, uh, their, their policy on campaign ads of what can and can't be, be published in a sense, uh, Facebook's ad policies are such that you can essentially post any ad you want. And there's no fact checking, uh, at Facebook HQ on whether or not the ad is true or not. Uh, as long as you're not, as long as you're not wishing violence uh, on, on anybody, there's really not a lot of standards for their ads. Um, there are certain standards in terms of size of the images you can use copyright claims, other things like that, but there's no, uh, there's no screening for truthfulness. Elizabeth Warren, what she did was she put out, uh, she trolled Facebook essentially. Uh, she put an ad, uh, that led off with the saying that Mark Zuckerberg uh, has endorsed Donald Trump um, under the title of uh, breaking news. And Elizabeth Warren said, you're probably shocked. And you might be thinking, how could this possibly be be true? And then she said, well, it's not. Um, And then the ad explains a a little bit about uh, uh, Facebook's crappy policy And that, quote, Facebook has given Donald Trump free reign to lie on Mark Zuckerberg's platform and then pay Facebook gobs of money to push out their lies to American voters. And then, of course, she says um, the ad solicits viewers to agree by giving Warren their email address and personal info so she can solicit them for money and all of those things. At, At a first glance, you think to yourself, yeah. Hey, that's not a bad idea. There should be fact checking and truthfulness demanded and required uh, by anybody who wants to advertise on Facebook. Wrong. That is absolutely a freaking recipe for disaster on a couple couple levels. First, who are these people that are fact checking? Are they people that agree with you? Maybe. Maybe not. If you're a conservative probably actually almost certainly not. And what is their 
uh, standard of truthfulness. I know you may think that truthfulness is black and white, but it's not at all. Uh, in fact, there are shades of truth, especially in politics. That's what politicians are so masterful at. And so the question is, well, why don't you have an arbiter of all things truth uh, and then just have that organization weigh in? Well, again, who owns the organization? Are they for profit? Are they non-for-profit? They can still be non-for-profit like the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center, be completely biased. Uh, Planned Parenthood is a non-profit, uh, completely biased. Uh, there are media public publications, in fact, pick the New York Times or CNN or others. They all have slants to them. So you don't want Facebook, if indeed it's a platform, you don't want Facebook making these arbitrary judgments about what's truthful and what's not. In fact, I always say when it comes to advertising, especially political advertising, is the caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware on these things. And it's up to the other campaigns, the rival campaigns, whether it's Elizabeth Warren's campaign, if she's the nominee against Donald Trump, the uh, um, could be other Republicans trying to challenge Donald Trump to hold them accountable for lies and mistruths if they decide to put paid dollars into it. I'll give you a good, good example at a local level. Um, Wendy Gruel was the city controller in LA City. She ran for the mayor of Los Angeles in 2013. She was the odds-on favorite. Uh, it was hers to lose a big office, a second largest city in the nation. She had all of the, uh, uh, most of the insider support. She had a lot of the money, uh, enough money to drive her message completely sufficiently in a primary. Certainly no one expected her not to make a top two, but she didn't. And why is that? Is it because her message was wrong? No, pretty good message. And they had research and whatnot to guide that. Why is it? It's because she got lit up over a lie that she kicked off in her campaign ads. In her initial ad as to why she should be mayor, she said, as the auditor controller of the city of Los Angeles, she said, I believe, memory serves me right, she said um, she saved, she works to save taxpayer money, uh, taxpayer dollars in her audits, where she's cleaning up waste, fraud, and abuse. She said she saved the city, I think it was 160 million or 200 million in savings. And in fact, it turns out that she only saved the city 30 million. And in her campaign ad that she pumped, it was like a million bucks into, the LA Times lit her up in a fact check saying that's just patently wrong. She did not save the voters and the people of Los Angeles $160 million. She only saved them 30 million. That's a lie. Her opponents then went up on television saying, LA Times calls Wendy Gruel disingenuous, making up falsehoods. She didn't save the people 160 million. And then they say that she was beholden to special interests, blah, 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 standard stuff. That unforced error of lying in her ad was the beginning of a death spiral that cost Wendy Gruel the primary election. As a political strategist, I live for those moments where my opponent's campaigns overplay their hand, lie in ads, say stupid things, make mistakes. A lie in an ad is a mistake. 
and it gives you an opportunity to nail your opponent on being shady, being a liar, being disingenuous. So it's completely, it's actually an opportunity. It's a gift for a rival candidate when an opponent puts a lie in an ad. And I actually think it is the duty of both the media as well as campaigns to hold each other accountable to expose the lies when in fact the campaign lies. And again, you add up all the problems. I mean, look, if, if we think Facebook should regulate advertising, well, I guess we should have the government do the same thing because gosh, I mean, somebody could put a television ad up and be disingenuous in a TV ad. Heck, they could send out uh, mailers and be dis. Oh, you know what? They do that all the time. This is nothing new, Elizabeth Warren. And the danger of somebody who gets in power, whether it's at Facebook or in the government, that you disagree with. It may be great, by the way. If your team's in power, maybe, the, maybe it's a gravy train because the other side gets censored. But just wait till you're not in power. Just wait. Uh, this, is a, 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 this is not just that she's wrong. I believe that this policy is highly dangerous if she were to enact it. And I certainly hope, uh, let's see yet another reason. I hope she doesn't become president because things like this have real impacts just because, uh, you don't like the speech doesn't mean that your opponent or somebody else shouldn't be allowed to say it. Next story. Hunter Biden is stepping down. He just, uh, Hunter Biden's attorney just made the announcement on Monday, that he's going to step down from a, a Chinese equity board that he uh, sits on. And then he promises to end any work with foreign companies if his dad, Joe, is elected to president of the United States. This story is interesting on a couple, re- a couple levels. One, uh, Joe Biden claims that he was not consulted at all on this decision, didn't have any input. And he also, Joe said uh, that he never, ever, 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 and he said that many evers, has spoken with his son about any of the business that his son does. Uh, So this story is becoming a much bigger issue for, uh, for Joe Biden than just stepping down with the board. First of all, if Biden, as Biden, Joe Biden claims that there was not, there's nothing wrong and inappropriate with Hunter's role with the Ukrainian gas company making 50 to hundred thousand dollars a month. Yet Hunter had zero experience in the oil and gas industry. Then why is he recusing himself from an, an, and Chinese equity board? If he's completely qualified for that job too, shouldn't he remain in power? Doesn't that make sense? Um, it's an admission of guilt, essentially what it is, or they understand that it stinks to high heaven. Uh, and they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. I mean, if Hunter stays on, he's going to continue to get, dad's going to continue to get railed. If he steps down, it is a bit of admission of guilt that he shouldn't have done it. And it opens up a whole variety of questions. Oh, I see. So Hunter and Joe don't think it's okay when the dad was president for him to work with foreign companies, but it was okay when he was vice president. Oh. No, it wasn't okay. It's just that he didn't get put on blast when he was VP. Uh, th- that's, that's the bottom line here. So 
what I like about this is you, it's the next kind of point in the saga, you know, Trump, we talked about this on, I think it was Friday's podcast. Trump, uh, said he, everybody should have t-shirts called where's Hunter because Hunter has not been interviewed yet. It's like, what in the heck? All of this Ukraine stuff is swirling yet. No one has even heard from Hunter Biden. Well, we're about to hear from Hunter Biden. Apparently good morning. America has a sit down with Hunter Biden, uh, this morning. Now we'll see if it's a softball interview or it's a real interview, but undoubtedly it's going to do two things. One is it is going to open up and set the tone for the democratic debate later that night. There are going to be questions based upon the interview. So we'll be watching to see how the interview goes. And it, and also inevitably there will be questions that didn't get answered. More questions that are spawned because of the interview. And you can see how this thing plays out. It's really a no lose. Uh, it's a no win for Hunter and Joe. Because even if they try to say it's always on the, it's been up and on the up and up, he behaved, he behaved by the, did this thing by the book. This is just Trump. That's afraid of Joe Biden. It begs the question. Okay. Well, you say it was on the up and up, but for 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a month in retainer for this Ukraine oil and gas company, what did you do? Oh, well, I gave strategic guidance. Oh. Strategic guidance about what? Because you don't have any experience in the oil and gas industry. So what exactly would that strategic guidance be? And then if Hunter's honest, he'll say, oh, as it relates to the U.S. government. Oh, well, what exactly about the U.S. government? You see where this is going? It can go from bad to worse. Or Biden could slough it off and say, this is a bunch of BS. He claims like there was some something nefarious uh, unusual going on here in the Ukraine. But the truth of the matter is I make a business. I have a business, a long career out of, uh, giving strategic guidance to different companies of four in foreign countries. And then of course that begs the question, really? So what other, what other companies have you worked with and what services do you perform? And you can see the dots then will be connected. What committees did his dad serve on? What votes did his dad make? What, what arms deals did his dad approve? It goes on and on and on. And then, of course, if nothing else, let's see the contracts. What did Hunter promise in exchange for that $100,000 a month? Let's take a look. What are the deliverables? Now, if Hunter's really smart, which I would imagine that he's smart enough, his contract is probably nebulous. It probably says to provide strategic counsel and advice or some BS like that, that is nebulous, but, uh, who knows? Let's see the emails. Let's see the text messages both between, uh, let's go see it between Hunter and the companies. Let's see full transparency on those issues. And let's also see Joe Biden's emails, text messages, and transcripts of all of his phone calls with every single country that his son was doing business in. Let's see them all. Because I can tell you the Bidens are not going to like what we find. It is so stinking obvious that this is what they're doing, that Hunter, uh, that Hunter is explo has exploited his father's political access and connections uh, and, and ability to control votes and regulations in exchange for personal wealth. That's pretty obvious. Now, here's also what's interesting. You see um, a lot of uh, a lot of folks on Twitter and other journalists 
have been attacking Trump on this issue, saying you can't both simultaneously be outraged at the Hunter Biden Biden situation, not outraged at Trump and his children, because that's exactly what they're doing, because they do business in other countries. At first blush, I think that is a fair criticism. Look, I'm actually not a fan of nepotism. I don't think that Jared and Ivanka should be working in the administration in any official capacity simply because the appearance of an impropriety, whether or not it happened, is probably too much. Um, I, I don't, I just don't think that that's a good thing overall. I can't, I can't, um, I can't know for certain because I'm not in the room as it relates to Kushner and uh, Ivanka and the sons of what's going on there. But if you wanted to avoid all allegations of conflict of interest, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. That, that would have been my guidance. Now I do think it's a little bit different. I've heard that. What about Ivanka's? Uh, she has a, uh, she has patent rights or she, uh, she has a clothing line in China. What about that? She's doing business in China. Uh, well, <laughs> Here's the difference, okay? Perhaps the family's power was useful in preserving patents, perhaps. But here's the difference between Ivanka and Hunter. Ivanka is, has been in the clothing industry. She provides a product. She's an expert on purses and manufacturing. This is what she does. She's qualified. Hunter is not qualified for anything other than access. Access by explaining his family's political connections. Fundamentally and dramatically different. There really are apples and oranges here. So you can both be outraged at Hunter Biden and upset with the Trumps for their nepotism. But to immediately say, if you think Hunter Biden is corrupt, therefore Trump and his family are corrupt is not fair. It is not an apples to apples comparison whatsoever. So uh, I don't think that Hunter just stepping down from this Chinese equity board is going to be anywhere enough to stop the damage that's coming out. And again, we talked about this yesterday. The damage really isn't to Biden in a Democratic primary because the partisans just are in la-la land. They're not listening to it. The damage is if Joe Biden ends up being the nominee, it, it, ends, up, uh, uh, it ends up this scandal shows that Bidens are in it for themselves. Uh, and it, it's just not a good thing with those, with those swing voters. The other thing here is all of this uh, plays to Elizabeth Warren's hands because she doesn't have, I think she has a daughter who lives in the Pacific Palisades or Malibu, but I don't think she has any family that's in the government affairs lobbying business. So she can play high and mighty above, above it all. And it reinforces her brand. Another Biden story, Joe Biden is taking credit for the impeachment. The question is, does he deserve it? Let's roll the clip and you can decide. Um, I, uh, I may be the last guy to publicly call for impeachment, but I'm the only reason there is impeachment going on. Ah, he's the only reason impeachment is going on. Ah, Joe is totally responsible for it all. Actually, no, 
there's a lot of, there are a lot of other actors that are involved in impeachment. And uh, I guess what he's trying to say here is that if the Ukraine transcript didn't leak, that somehow there wouldn't be impeachment. But the reality is, as I've said before, Democrats were going to try to impeach this president for eating a ham sandwich. Uh, this is the latest, uh, but they were going to do it anyway. Now, um, I just... <laughs> I love how these politicians try to take credit for this, but here's something interesting you do have to watch for. I think this is a tell that we're going to see at the debate tonight, which is Biden is going to try to shift back away from his son. And he's going to try to seem like he's tough enough to take on Trump. So he's going to try to make this whole uh, impeachment. He's going to, you can see it. He's going to try to take credit for it. He's going to say, because of me, we're impeaching this a-hole because of me, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Trump, the fight to Trump. And by the way, he's most afraid of me. That's why all of this is going on because everybody knows that I'm the one he's most afraid of. And I'm going to beat him like a drum is his word. He likes to use a lot. Beat him like a drum. We'll see if that sticks. Uh, but I think that's how he's going to try to shape up the night. Like the president knows I'll beat him. That's why this whole thing exists because I'll beat him. I'll beat him. I'm the only one who can beat him. Well, he can drive that message, but voters are starting to think otherwise. Uh, unless Joe perhaps can have a really impressive performance. We'll, we'll see. That's going to be something I'm going to be watching closely at the debate. All right. Bloomberg says he might run. Is it possible? So it just leaked today. CNBC wrote a story that Mike Bloomberg is now talking to his allies about running for president because he's seeing Joe Biden struggling against an Elizabeth Warren and Bloomberg hates Elizabeth Warren. In fact, one source close to Bloomberg said uh, Bloomberg's in if Biden's out. Now, here's the problem. Do I think Biden's going to be the nominee? Probably not. But do I think Joe Biden's going to drop out? No, I don't think so. I mean, why would he? He's got enough. I mean, he doesn't have all the money, but he's got enough money to compete. Certainly through Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. And by that point, Bloomberg would have had to, had to already jump in this race. Um, yeah, look, does... Is Bloomberg chatting with people that, yeah, if Biden dropped out, he would get in? Probably. Number one, Bloomberg doesn't like Warren. And I think it's not because they're really too different on policy. It's that Bloomberg is a capitalist and Warren, despite her saying she's a capitalist, really is anti-business and truly is more of a socialist. Uh, and so I think Bloomberg would differ on on that issue. Uh, but he he looks at himself that there would be a lane if Biden drops out. Um, and, and look, these guys, especially the billionaires, they all have egos. They all think that, that they can run, run the world, never mind the country. And, uh, they think they're the best person, uh, to do it. He, uh, a banking executive who's close with Bloomberg in this article said, uh, quote, he's like everyone else. They can't get it out of their system, which is true. Uh, you know, Bloomberg wants it. He just also is realistic and wants to believe that he can win it. So, I don't know what Bloomberg's going to do. My hunch is he's not going to run because Biden, even if Biden looks weak, 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 weak in the coming weeks, 
Um, I, I don't think Biden drops out. I think he just kind of fizzles and gives it and gives it a run, you know, because he's got so much money, he might as well stay in. What else does he have to lose? I suppose. Uh, if Bloomberg did run, could he finance a campaign? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he could spend hundred million, 200 million. The guy's worth an estimated 52 billion. So he could absolutely finance a campaign. I think in a weird way, the electorate might already be in motion. But the more billionaires that get in, whether they're Tom Steyer or somebody else, I think it actually reinforces Elizabeth's, uh, Elizabeth Warren's message that billionaires are bad. These people stepped on the backs of others to make their money. We need to cleanse the system. Uh, and I actually think it, we may look back if Elizabeth is in fact the nominee, we may look back and say the woman was unstoppable, both with the political climate and the kind of campaign she ran. It's just, she was unstoppable. We may make that determination. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll know certainly more as this process evolves. Don't forget tonight is debate night. I will be doing a special edition of the podcast right after, after the democratic debate. Um, Remember, there's a bunch going on. If you want my thoughts on what's what I'm watching for tonight, listen to my podcast from yeah from uh, from yesterday. I broke down all of my thoughts. I think the Hunter Biden interview on GMA uh, this coming morning is going to reshape. Uh, I already I assume that was going to come up, but I think it's going to be more of a focal point tonight than it than it already was uh, before. So uh, I'll give, I'll do a special podcast. Of course, if you want my live thoughts, you can follow me on Twitter at the Thomas guide. I love to tweet during these debates, especially because it helps my boredom when some of these debates get kind of boring. I like to uh, like to do that. So of course you can tweet at me. Um, if you have any questions you want me to answer after the debate, of course you could write me on Twitter or message me on the website or on Facebook. I will, uh, I will get to them. And I got to say, um, Thank you so much for, I just happened to scan the, uh, the review section on Apple podcast and some of the other platforms. And I, I truly appreciate the, the reviews. I'm so flattered and quite frankly, stunned. Uh, you guys seem to really like it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the reviews. Keep them coming. It's great for other people that are stumbling upon the podcast to understand what we're doing here. Um, and also it, it, it grows the rankings and also the best thing you can do beyond just that and giving it a nice start. So thank you for that. It's like always, if you have a friend that is politically interested, that's trying to, you know, sort out what's actually happening in politics, share the podcast. Just share it with one or two people. That's how we grow this thing. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Thomas Guide. Stay tuned for late tonight. I'll be doing a special edition. Thanks again and have a great day.